0: help.com/sober I've stopped drinking 3 times and each time I thought that I could just stop and that was that I thought that stopping was the hard part and that drinking was my only problem It wasn't until I was months into my current sober streak that I realized I had a lot of work to do. We build our lives around alcohol, so if you just remove the alcohol, then you're going to feel the void and be triggered all the time. In this episode, I'm going to cover 10 tips to stop drinking and stay sober. And these are for anyone, whether you had a drink last night or you have years of sobriety and want a refresher. Let's dig in. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. I'm your host, Jill, and today we are talking about how to stop drinking and get past the first week. And you really just have to keep throwing stuff at your drinking and see what works. So be open to trying different methods of support. And I'll link my free ebook, Quick Start to Sobriety Guide, in the show notes so you can grab that and get a ton of suggestions and links for support. If you're just getting started or you want to learn some more ways to keep your sobriety going strong, then here are 10 things that you can do to stop drinking for good. Number one, get all of the alcohol out of your house. And this is an obvious one, but it's critical to your success. If there's alcohol in your house, then it's much easier to drink it. That's it. There are some things that raise the barrier to drinking, And having alcohol not be easily accessible is one of them. If someone tries to give you a gift of alcohol, don't let it in your house. Tell them, no thank you, I don't drink, immediately re-gift it in private, or if it was at work, then just leave it in the kitchen area for someone else to take it. Just don't let alcohol in your house. That has always been my rule, and I have received gifts of alcohol over the years, and I just, I never let it in my house no matter what. And if you have a partner who drinks, then something you could do is ask if they would be willing to not drink for the first few weeks while you get used to not drinking yourself. And if they won't do that, then that's good information for you to have. And alternatively, you could ask them to keep their alcohol somewhere else, like in the basement or the garage, just somewhere that you don't really go. I have a couple episodes where I talked about how I navigate my husband's drinking because he's just a regular old take-or-leave-it drinker. And then he was a guest on this podcast in episode 32. So I will put those in the show notes for you. Number two, make drinking a non-negotiable. Don't drink no matter what. I hear a lot of people say that they hope they can stay sober Or that they're going to try to stay sober. And to me, this means deep down you don't think you can stay sober, but you hope you'll be able to figure it out. And if you don't believe in yourself, then it's easier to drink because that's the outcome you expected anyway. It's easier to make excuses and bargain with yourself. So instead, tell yourself you are not drinking no matter what. That's all you have to do. Just don't drink. And there's a big difference when you go into something with the mindset of, I am not drinking versus the mindset of, I'm going to try not to drink. It's a big difference. So drinking needs to become a non-negotiable. Number three, identify your triggers. You need to understand what gets you and why you drink. And this takes time. You're not going to be able to identify your triggers immediately. But when you feel an urge to drink, try to get curious and retrace your steps to identify when you started feeling that urge, what was happening. So it helps me to go back through each moment of my day until I can identify when I didn't have the urge to drink. So then I know the next thing that happened probably triggered me somehow. And once you understand what gets you, you can take steps to avoid it or reduce the amount of times you have to encounter the trigger, or you can work on your perspective about the trigger and reduce the power that it has over you. I've talked a lot about triggers in previous episodes, but my biggest one is low self-worth. It took a long time for me to identify this trigger too. Before I understood what was going on deep down, I thought that I was triggered by other people, my job, and people implying that I'm stupid. You have to keep going deeper until you identify the real thing that's getting you. I've talked about my stupid belief in a few episodes on this podcast, and because I was able to keep working on it, I finally identified that it was a self-worth issue. And now I know what I have to work on moving forward. Number four, do different stuff. A lot of us think that we can just stop drinking and that's enough, but we build our entire lives around our drinking. You probably selected friends based on who wants to drink like you do and gave up hobbies that didn't include alcohol. Slowly, we change our lifestyle to revolve around alcohol, and in sobriety, we have to change our lifestyle again. If you're used to sitting around watching TV for hours every single night or spending a lot of time in the bar, then you need to adjust what you do. TV gets boring and repetitive when you do it for too long. It's going to make you feel sad and feel like you need alcohol to enhance the situation. There's a quote that I really love that maybe you've heard. It's, if you hang out in the barbershop for too long, then you're going to get a haircut. If you just continue to live the same drinking lifestyle and hang out in the same places where you used to drink, then you're probably going to drink. Everything in that lifestyle is going to remind you of drinking and it's going to seem not as good when you're sober. So you should work on finding a new hobby and different ways to spend your time. Do something totally different that you never would have done while you were drinking. I tried Brazilian jiu-jitsu and kickboxing and it was really fun. So try something new, and you gain so much time in sobriety, and if you spend that time just sitting around, then you're going to want to drink. Boredom is a huge trigger, and I'm working on an episode about boredom in a few weeks, so stay tuned. Number five, don't do it alone. We feel like we should be able to do it alone, or that we're different from everyone else, and we don't need help. But being stubborn and proud could be preventing you from quitting. Social support is important. We need to realize other people can understand us. They've experienced exactly what we're going through. And we need to get feedback from other sober people when we're having a tough time. This also creates accountability because you feel that people care about you. Accountability and support makes you pause and consider if you shouldn't drink before you make the decision to do it. Ways that you can get support are therapy, meetings, in or outpatient treatment, or coaching. I started with therapy, and the only time I was ever able to take a week off was when I knew I'd have to go back and look my therapist in the face and tell her whether or not I drank. That was pretty motivating. And if you're looking for a small, safe group, then check out the show notes for more info about my living a sober powered life membership. We have meetings, a private community, and I'm going to be releasing a quit drinking course on January 1st. And this will be available for all members and it includes daily audios for 31 days to help you work on your mindset around drinking, identify your triggers, learn to deal with emotions and navigate thoughts of wanting to drink again. So regardless of what you decide to do for support, just be willing to try new things until you find a good fit for you and what you need. And if you're trying and trying and trying to quit and it's not working, then add something else to your toolbox. Try a different form of support and see if that helps. Number six, change the way you socialize and stop going to things until you feel more confident. It's okay to take a break from going out with drinkers until you feel more comfortable being around alcohol. I know a lot of us feel that we don't want things to change because we don't drink, but not drinking is a major change. It's not like you're not eating bacon anymore. Alcohol becomes essential for our lives. So of course things are going to change when you stop drinking. You might lose friends and not be invited to things anymore. And that's okay too. Sometimes drinkers don't want to invite you to things because they think they're protecting you and they don't want to make you uncomfortable. Or they just don't want to hang out with a sober person. And we can't really blame them, right? I wouldn't have wanted to hang out with a sober person when I was drinking. I didn't even want to hang out with moderate drinkers. If you didn't want to have 10 drinks minimum, then I did not want to talk to you. So if some of your friendships with drinking buddies end, then it just makes space for true friends to come into your life. And I even reconnected with a lot of old friends who were take-it-or-leave-it drinkers, and our friendships became a lot stronger because I wasn't focused on alcohol all the time. Number seven, tell someone, ideally, the people that you live with. It's helpful if the people closest to you know not to offer you alcohol or buy it for you. I know you may not always be able to tell your friends and family, but I think it's helpful to tell at least one person. I told my husband and we talked about how he could support me. And don't expect everyone to be super excited for you either. Remember, most people have the ability to start and stop whenever they want, and are not controlled by alcohol when they drink it. So they're not going to understand why this is a big deal. We expect everyone to be excited for us because it is a huge deal to stop drinking. But if they're not excited because they don't understand, it's totally normal. We expect a parade to celebrate our milestones, and the parade is not going to come. But that's okay. And this is why having a supportive community is important because other sober people know how hard this is and will be very excited to celebrate your wins and milestones with you. Number eight, your sobriety is up to you. Don't expect your family or friends to hold you accountable and prevent you from drinking. That needs to come from you. They can help, but they can't do it for you. They're not in charge of you, and it's not their responsibility to prevent you from drinking. And your loved ones might feel really uncomfortable telling you to not drink once you've already made the decision to do it. Maybe they tried in the past and you were mean to them, or maybe they just have no clue what to say. If you want their help, then it's important to tell them how they can help you and not expect them to do it for you. When I was drinking, I expected my husband to help me stop and switch to water. And it used to make me mad that he would take care of himself and not me. And that is just not his responsibility. I'm an adult. And we need to have realistic expectations of what support really is and learn to take ownership of our lives. And it's easier to make excuses and blame other people than it is to take ownership and make a change. It doesn't mean you're choosing to drink that way. It just means that other people can't do this for you. Number nine, have other drinks on hand. Drinking plain water all the time isn't going to do it for most people. You're likely going to want a tasty treat in the evening, so stock up on other drinks. And this could be NA drinks if you're comfortable with that. And I explain the science of NA drinks in episode 77 if you're worried about them triggering you or ruining your sobriety. And if NA drinks aren't for you, then I love sparkling water and vitamin water. Vitamin water has a really nice, sweet, refreshing flavor that makes me feel mentally satisfied. And that's what it's all about, feeling satisfied. So this tip is especially true when you're socializing. Make sure that there's something for you to drink so you don't have to drink water and feel awkward. And number 10, recognize that getting better takes time. We are so used to instant gratification and that's just not how real life works. You might not feel better immediately. You might feel like a social weirdo for a bit until you have more experience and you may be bored or sad and all of that is normal. You're doing this for a really good reason. I talked about how long it takes to recover in episode 124, so go check that one out if you're feeling impatient. But just remember, you drank for years and years and years. It's going to take more than a few weeks to heal and not crave alcohol anymore. So give yourself a break. And the whole next month is going to be about how to strengthen your sobriety for dry January, but really for the whole year. So keep checking back in every Friday. And if you don't follow the podcast, please make sure to click that follow button because it helps get the show discovered by more people who would benefit from this information. So thank you for listening. And I will talk to you next week. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us.